Welcome to Below the Line, where we talk about working in Hollywood from the crew perspective. My name is Skid. I'm a former assistant director and your host. On June 23rd, the Directors Guild of America ratified a new three-year agreement with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, abbreviated as AMPTP, with a vote of 87% in favor. Today, I'm discussing the agreement with Kevin Coster, who works as a first assistant director, served as a member of the negotiating committee, and is a returning guest. Kevin, nice to see you again. Hello there. Thanks for having me back. Now, Kevin, your involvement with the DGA, let's just say it's deep. Uh, I have been involved in DGA uh, governance and in negotiations going back all the way to 2010. I've been on the DGA council as an alternate and as a full member going back to about 2009. I'm currently the vice chair of the Western ADUPM Council. I'm also the chair of the membership QL review committee. So the people that go on the qualification list, our committee goes through all those people and we submit applicants for membership to the council. And I'm also an associate member somehow on the national board. But for purposes of what we're talking about here, I should note I'm not speaking on behalf of the council. I'm not speaking on behalf of the board or anybody else. I'm not an official DGA spokesman. I'm I'm not a publicist. All I could tell you is what my experience was as a DGA member who participated in this process. Well, and we're not off the reservation. We talked to DGA publicity, and they're aware that we're talking. Exactly. We're talking about what happened here. The official process started in early 2022 which involves a proposals committee. And we actually, for the first time, did a complete integration, West Coast and East Coast. In our case, this was the ADUPMs, and we put our proposals group together. Now, when we go to the negotiating committee, about a third of that group moves forward and is going to help with negotiations on each side of this. And we all go into the big room together. Now, in the big room, I know that the DGA representation, it's 80 people. How do they get to a point where there's an agreement to even consider? The other side of the table are all the labor relations people you would expect. And they are led by Carol Lombardini, who is the president of the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. You know, every person there is standing in just as we are standing in for a whole lot of assistant directors that are not going to be there. We're, We're representing them. They're representing their people. What's the back and forth like? The usual scenario is we have a lead negotiator, which is Russ Hollander, who is our national executive director. You know, we bring to him what we have, and then he helps distill it down. Okay, this is what we got. And then he and really our chairs, and in the case of this this scenario, the chairs were John Avnet, Karen Gaviola, and Todd Holland, John being the chair and, and Todd and Karen being the co-chairs, they would get involved in, all right, we need to talk in advance before we all get in the room, what are we doing? So we have some idea of what the shape of the room is. And then you get in the room and on the first day, we bring our package in of here's all of our stuff. And they come back at us with their package and everybody makes wonderful speeches at everybody else. And then everybody goes and choose on what we have. And then you break off into the smaller groups. And then at other times you come back in with the full group. I can't really go into specifics of what happens at the table, but what I can say is our group was remarkably unified. This experience, this time, my fifth time doing it, was the most unified I've ever seen, where we literally would all go in 
if it was just going to be somebody else's group, we just go in to support them. We would be there to have their back. A lot of people think that that when DGA goes in there, it's real quick and you just take the first deal that's offered, you're out of there. I mean, that's complete nonsense. This is a long, protracted process. It took us three and a half, nearly four weeks to do this. We worked weekends. We worked Memorial Day. We, we would come in at whatever hour was needed. When this thing was finished, it was finished at 1030 at night on a Saturday. This isn't something that we do where you just show up and do bankers hours and and then come. You know, that's, that's just not what happens. It's a lot of work and it's a lot of back and forth. It took the DGA and the AMPTP just short of four weeks, as you said, and they came to an agreement. Now, with this agreement, talk to us about the process of actually getting it approved. While we were finishing, when we realized, okay, we think we're going to finish, we called for a board meeting um, so that it would happen the following Tuesday, which was the earliest we could do it. We then brought it to the board. The board enthusiastically, unanimously said, absolutely, send that thing out to ratify. We then announced to the membership, okay, here's what's coming at you. Here's a top sheet of just bullet points of what we did. And here's the full memorandum of agreement, which, by the way, I would always recommend if you're going to look at a contract, my mommy always told me to actually read what's on the contract and <laughs> just read somebody's summary because you do, all you do is get yourself in trouble in the summary. And then voting is open and the voting will be open until June the 23rd. And along the way, we did a whole lot of informational meetings. We did them in person. We did them via Zoom. We did them any way possible. We did them in informal gatherings, whatever it took to let people know, this is what we did, guys, this is what's in here. I will even add that in the middle of this, we had our annual meetings in both Los Angeles and New York, where we talked up the whole thing again and said, look, if you're not, if you're still on the fence, here's, we'll, we'll walk you through it again. This is what we did. This is what's in here. And then it goes out. And as of uh, Friday night, the, the 23rd, you know, it's all immediately up there. You can immediately see what the result is. What the result was, and the DGA actually released the numbers on what the vote was, just under about 7,000 members out of about 16,000 plus that, that would be eligible to vote, voted for it. Of the people that voted, 87% of the people that voted approved this. So that's that 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 is a you know that's overwhelming. There was you know thirteen percent that voted it down, said no, you know we would rather do something else. That's not nothing, but the overwhelming majority of the people that turned in a ballot said we agree with this, we want to do this. I also want to note throughout our process this time in particular because we knew we were going late. Because we knew we were going to be, you know, we, we, we were going to be going up very close to the end of our contract. We did a lot of outreach to members, which is more than I've seen in the whole time I've, I've been in the Guild. So we did what we called our member pods. So I had about 20, roughly 20, almost 30 people I was talking to at different times that I was sending emails out that I was I was doing Zooms with throughout the process. I couldn't tell them what was happening at the table, but I could at least say, these are the goals that we're going for. This is what's up. Um, I also want to address one other thing that, that I've heard in different quarters. People have noted, well, the Directors Guild didn't get a strike authorization. The reason that that didn't happen is, A, we already had the organization of our members. We already had thousands of our members in member pods, so we could get to them like that. So we're already organized. And 
We knew we were finishing at the beginning of June and our contract expiration was the end of June while SAG was in there. Had we come out of there and said, you know what, guys, this isn't working. You're not serious here. You know, the, we give the succession answer. We're not serious people. If that had happened, we had the whole month of June to go get that strike authorization. We didn't need to walk in with it. They knew we were darn well ready to do it if we had to. That's something you do when you're, okay, we're ready to actually go ahead and pull the sword out. But what we felt was as soon as they saw us organizing, they knew, okay, they're not planned. So, Kevin, give us a summary of the top sheet on this contract. One of the fights we had was over wages. And we got, for the first time in decades, a 5% wage increase the first year, 45 in the second year, and 35 in the third, with a proviso that the 45 includes a half point that's actually the parental leave program. And that's something our membership had told us overwhelmingly they wanted. And kudos and thank you to the Writers Guild who did that first. So we said, okay, thank you. We'd like to do that too. Our members absolutely want this. You could argue that we've fallen behind a little bit with inflation over the last couple of years. However, we also were way ahead of inflation for years and years before we will be ahead of inflation again. This was a fairly large raise for us. We also, you know, we increased various other incidental allowances I won't bore you with. Uh, we did some work on pension and health where we raised the caps, you do that, you've just kicked a lot more money into, into the pension and health plans. Past that, we did the usual increase of residuals. I won't, I won't kill you on that one, but I will say that in international, which was a thing that we knew we had to get, they had to pay a, a fair amount and it had to be based on how many subscribers do you have around the world? And now that is in there. And that's going to be a huge thing because a lot of these services, they're taking American programs and they're taking them all over the world. And in the past, they were paying you know a tiny amount of it. Now they're going to pay a real amount of it. And it, it, it does have teeth in it. it. This is good. We also adjusted a thing for an area that we haven't seen much in yet, but we're going to. AVOD is ad-supported video on demand as opposed to subscriber-supported video on demand. If you have a Roku right now or an Amazon Fire or whatever stick that you put into your TV and you can watch, say, Pluto TV or Freevee or Tubi or Roku Channel or whatever, that's free to you. They're starting to make original shows with real budgets. That's something where we said, okay, you're going to need to have terms because we didn't have terms in there before. So that's an area that we got into, and there will be more to do there later. Um, here's another thing. Holiday-wise, we added in what I believe is an 11th paid holiday, which is Juneteenth, every June 19th. That was a fight to get that. that. They didn't just give us that. That was a fight, and we got it. We managed to get MLK, thankfully, because IA, thank you, IA, IA got that there last time, 2021, and everybody else got it. So we're getting Juneteenth, which should lead to everybody else should get that too, I think. Um, there were other little things with holidays that I won't bore you on. There was a little stuff they did about cutting time on high-budget features. I will say they added a little bit for episodic directors in streaming or pay TV. Normally, episodic directors, when they finish shooting their episode, post was always on the house. Now we have a thing where they cut for a couple of days. And now they give the cut over to the showrunner. And the idea is the showrunner is supposed to give them notes. And now they get up to one more day for a half hour, two more days for an hour paid to implement the showrunner's notes so that the director is actually part of the creative process as opposed to pat it on the head and thrown out the door. 
That's a good thing. Then we get into the assistant directors. We did a thing where we were talking about hours being too long. The number of hours have to come down. And we hit them with a, a proposal and then went in as part of negotiation saying extended days are going to happen earlier. So whereas before, if you were working as a first assistant director and you're on your filming, you had to work 14 hours and one minute. That's been dropped to 13. That's something we never thought was ever going to happen, but it's there now. It encourages people to not shoot 12 hours and try to shoot 11 hours or try to shoot something that's more reasonable. Similarly, for second assisted directors, if you have more than one second assisted director, nearly every production known to God or man, unless they're low budget, has two second ADs. If they're on for more than 16 hours, boom, they're into it. That 16-hour trigger just came down to 15. That includes a key second. That includes a second second. includes an additional second. Any of the seconds. If they work more than 15 hours, uh, they're going to be into this. But this was a huge thing. They've not touched this in years. So past that, for the Flitta group, uh, freelance live tape television agreement, which would include awards shows, it includes the Oscars, uh, soap operas, game shows, what have you, all that's in there. Um, for people that are assistant directors and associate directors and stage managers, they had worked for nearly a decade in streaming. The Flitta people that were working on those shows had no terms, none. It was covered work. That was established back in, in early 08, but they had no terms. And the point is, is that that should have been addressed a long time ago. And two things were done on this. A, they got caught up fast and we stood for them. We went in with them. We were we all looked at it and said, the stage managers and associate directors are going to get their due here. This is going to stop. They're going to be paid correctly. So that's a big thing. We're very happy we got that. And the other thing we got for them, if they're working, say, Super Bowl Sunday or the Oscars, you might be working all week, seven days a week getting that, right? Normally, if you work a seventh day or you work a holiday, that's a double day. They're only paid a time and a half day. And finally, we got that fixed. So yes, they will be paid properly for their seventh days. Moving on, we had a big thing that we did in safety, where we've added four safety classes for assistant directors and production managers. So there's firearm safety, environmental safety, location safety, and then the last one is insert car. And we're going with a pilot program of something that is done in Australia and in Europe, but we haven't had it so much occasionally here, but not so much the way you really wanted. A safety supervisor. This is not a DGA position. It's not an AD doing this. You're not like a second second really? says your safety for this show like it was with COVID. The point being is, you have to hire somebody. They're not the studio rep. They're not a DGA AD being told, go handle safety. This is a person where all they do is safety. It's going to start small. It'll start in movies. It'll start in limited series because you can't do it everywhere because we don't have these people yet. But this is something they have in Europe and they have in Australia and it works quite well. So that's a big thing that's in there. One other thing we threw in is a ban on live ammo on sets, which should never be there anyway. That is just absolutely categorically saying no more of this. And then the final thing is we threw in a thing for artificial intelligence, for generative artificial intelligence. And we wrote a very, very specific letter that was written between the companies and us. And the specifics on that simply are, this is an evolving technology. It is not done yet. It's still cooking. We specified it out as generative AI, but saying basically it's for, and I'm looking at the definition, the term generally refers to a subset of artificial intelligence that learns patterns from data and produces content based on those patterns. 
This does not include traditional AI technologies programmed to perform specific functions such as those already used during all stages of motion picture production like CGI and VFX. And by the way, if we're listening, you know, talking to Siri or Alexa or using Waze, that's AI also. So what we were doing is when we said generative, it wasn't to say research AI or this AI or that AI. That's all of it. It's in that. What we were saying was it's not Alexa. And the idea is we were affirming that work that is to be done by a DGA member, like the director, like the assistant director scheduling or making the call sheet, that is to be done by the DGA member who is a human being, who is a person. This is something we took time on. And again, it's something that's going to evolve over time. Writers Guild and SAG are likely going to adjust this letter or do other tweaks to it to make sure they're assured that this is what they want. But the reality of it is we were covering that if it's Guild-covered work, you've got to have a guild person there, period. Past that, everything else that's in here is, is mostly housekeeping-type stuff. The short of it is nearly every facet of the DGA got something that came to them. Yes, there are members that didn't. I'd like to do stuff for the people in multicamp, which is an area that really doesn't get talked about. I'd like to do more for the people that are in the Flitter group because, again, they've got areas that are still open that we want to make sure we close the open manholes that are in there. I'm happy we got them where we got them. But when you're looking, it's like feature directors got something, like they got more cutting time that they need on their features that are that Netflix makes. Episodic directors got time and post that they never had before. Everybody got a larger wage increase. There's a whole lot that's in here. There was a lot of good that happened in this. And the increase in residuals, when you couple that with the wage increase, is huge. This was a very, very expensive package. So we were very proud of this. There were some people who took issue with very specific things like the word generative AI or took issue with, well, why didn't you get three tens? And the reality of it is you get everything you can. You, you go in and you fight as hard as you can. And we did. And I think we came out with something really special. Well, and despite some of these issues being quite complex, again, of the voting membership, 87% said yes. And this deal was ratified. I do want to take a moment and place this deal in the larger context of what's happening with the other entertainment unions. So the Writers Guild of America did not reach a deal with AMPTP, and they've been on strike since May 2nd. And SAG-AFTRA, representing the actors, is at the time of this recording still in negotiations, but it's possible that they could call for a strike even before this podcast airs. In the course of following these issues, I've seen some chatter that suggests the DGA is undercutting the other unions by closing this deal. Kevin, how do you respond to that? First, everybody supports all of the guilds getting a good, solid, workable contract that works for their members. I don't want to see the WGA get a bad contract. I think that's crazy and that's horrible for everybody. The writers should have a wonderful contract they can work with. Same thing with the actors. And I'm a dual card holder. I'm a member of the Screen Actors Guild after as well. So I want to see everybody get a good contract. So we'll start there. Secondly, all of the guilds have to negotiate for their contract. They can't not negotiate. If a guild were to say, we're not going to go in nego and negotiate because we want to stay out for another guild, we would be in violation of our own contract and in violation of federal labor law. Further, not coming to an agreement. If we were to say, you know what, we've got a great agreement, but hold that thought. We'll come back to you in a month. Okay, that doesn't work. Either you have an agreement or you don't have an agreement. You either close or you don't close. If you're not closing, it means we don't have an agreement. If we had said we don't have an agreement, then we're going for a strike authorization. I would think that everybody in every guild 
in all honesty, would want everybody to get a good contract. And if you've got a good contract, go. A good deal for the DGA. We're still going to see what happens with SAG. And then we're hoping that these deals can inform a fair deal for WJ at the other end. We're all still pulling for each other. My fervent hope is that what we've done, at the very least, doesn't hurt anybody else, that they could take whatever they want from this, that SAG could say, okay, you know, we'll take A, B, and C, but we're not taking anything past that. Same thing with the WGA. If you can use that and then you can go and do what you need to do, great. Is there something you can use? Please take what you can use and go with that so you can get the contract that you need. Nobody wants them to not have that. Well, Kevin, this has been very informative. Thank you very much. On that note, we're going to call it a wrap. Once again, great having you. Pleasure to talk to you. I'm sure at one point we'll get to talk about the sordid history of JAG. (laughs) (laughs) JAG is on our list, Kevin. We will not lose track of that. Uh, Thanks again, my friend. Okay, buddy. Listeners, I always appreciate your feedback. You'll find my contact info at our website, belowtheline1word.biz. That's B-I-Z. You'll also find past episodes and links to all of our social media, so check it out. I think these contract negotiations are big news for the entire entertainment industry. And I'll host these issue-focused episodes whenever union reps are available to share new insights. In the meantime, I've still got an exciting slate of crew guests lined up over the next few months, and I hope you'll enjoy those episodes as well. Time for my closing credits. Thanks to Curtis Five for our music, John Juan for our logo, and to all of our listeners, I appreciate you. Please rate us wherever you get your podcasts and tell your friends. Thanks again from Below the Line. The one other thing we gave them, the one little give they got, is they insisted they wanted to have weather-permitting calls for assisted directors. Now, here's the problem with that. The idea of a weather-permitting call is you didn't know until midnight the night before, the night you're going to shoot, or 1 o'clock in the morning the night you're going to shoot, and now you're canceling your call because you're snowed out or there's a hurricane or whatever else because you didn't know that was going to happen. So... Their idea is, well, everybody stays home for half pay. And we pointed out, first of all, you can't take us off payroll on DGA for doing that. Second of all, um, we're all going to be working. If you, if I'm a first AD and you shut my set down because Someone's got to communicate to your crew that they're not coming yeah. in. That's yeah. not going to happen I mean, automatically. Like on my TV show, if we have a massive <laughs> hurricane in the middle of Los Angeles and we got to shut down, the director and the producers and I are now trying to figure out where the day went. Can we shoot tomorrow? What are we doing? So we're in scramble mode already. We're not. I didn't get a day off. The second AD are exactly correct is calling the crew. The second second's calling all the people the second can. The additional second's in a van with the transport going to crew parking for the people that don't listen to their phones. So who got the day off here? So what we came down to is, okay, so you're going to get one day player second second or a day player additional second where you have 150 background and you need somebody to be on the other end to help kick them into play. Okay, so that person could get a call. If you let them know by that even, the evening before that it's going to be a weather permitting call, you could tell them at one in the morning, please don't come in. This will happen once, maybe every 15 years. So they, th- this is worth $300. <laughs> I don't understand what they're getting out of this. This is ridiculous. All right. Well, that's, again, yeah, not something that I think we're going to, as a guild, be that concerned about. So you could probably cut that whole thing out. <laughs>